Welcome into the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Brandon Pillar, joined today by Chris Parliament for today's episode. And the Ottawa Senators, they're officially on their bye week after a win over Matthew Kachuk and the Flames. The fully loaded Belleville Senators have a busy week ahead and another edition of Tankathon as the Sharks, well, they keep on bleeding all the way down to the bottom. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sens fans and welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast as Parley and I are here today as Ross he's out in Vancouver enjoying some time in Gastown hopefully he stays safe though with Boro Cop not around to patrol the streets and uh, keep innocent civilians safe so hopefully Ross is keeping an eye out there but Parley is with me today and Parley how about that game against the Flames another classic battle of the Kachuk boys and we got to see them face off, well, right from the first face off, eh? Yeah, Wes McCauley, what a legend. I mean, he, he's become kind of a web gem over his career with the uh, five minutes for fighting and all that sort of thing. You know, he's he's get, definitely a guy that gets out there and enjoys it. And the NHL's put him at the forefront, too. He's uh, he's refereed some all-star games, which I'm sure is a big thing for him. Uh, he's getting recognized for what he does and, it does, and it's little moments like that where it has such a little impact on the game where you toss one guy, I might as well toss the other guy too. And, you know, uh, the two coaches put the Kachuk brothers out there and they, they end up getting a face off. And you, you heard some stuff after the game where he said to Matthew Kachuk, well, if you two are both out there, I'm tossing the centerman because I want to give your mom something to laugh at or give your mom something to watch. She'll love it. So it was a pretty cool moment to see, uh, two brothers like that go at it. And I, I mean, they're going to have a long career, obviously Western conference, Eastern conference team. They're not going to play each other too much, but it's moments like that where you're going to look back on it after what I'm assuming are going to be two long careers and think ah, that was a pretty cool moment for two guys. So young in their career and getting to have that moment with 40 plus Kachucks in the crowd. That's uh that's a lot of Kachucks. I feel like there's some sort of tongue twister you can make. How many Kachucks could uh, Woodchuck Chuck or something <laughs> something along those lines? I don't know. There's something there. But Wes McCauley, like, good on him for having some fun. And, I mean, as a referee or linesman, you don't really have a lot of times to shine, but he makes the most of them when he does. Uh, what I was thinking, though, partly is, wouldn't it be a little awkward, though, if, well, you know Brady and Matthew, they're definitely competitive guys, so... Each of the centermen get kicked out of the face-off so that they can come in and face off with each other. What if Brady or Matthew gets a little too feisty and then he gets kicked out of the face-off? Then we're looking at a penalty off what was supposed to be a nice gesture to start the game off. That would have been a little awkward probably. But luckily, Brady, he's got more face-off experience than Matthew Kachuk, that's for sure, with over 200 NHL face-offs compared to Matthew's only 56. So he won that face-off and wouldn't you know it, as, as soon as he gets the face-off win, Matthew Kachuk throws a cross-check into his back. So you got to love the hostilities between the two brothers, eh? Absolutely. He knew something was coming. That's interesting to note, kind of one of those rules that got moved into the league. And we saw some of it, you know, when it first came in. But it's almost like one of those rules where it was kind of tossed under the rug where i mean if a guy's real bad off the draw there's a rule in place to enforce something but it's a lot like that visor rule remember you weren't allowed to tilt it up anymore and that kind of went by the wayside as well so one of those rules where yeah 
I mean, it's it could be enforced if you wanted to, but it's kind of kind of a lax call, I guess now. But yeah, that's something I didn't even think of. Uh, two guys <laughs> that could get a little bit feisty in there, but they seem to be. Uh, I remember early in their career, Brady Kachuk saying, "Well, we we promised mom and dad we wouldn't fight." So uh, I don't know if they ever will. Uh, yeah, if it was more of a rivalry series, I think that we would see more of it. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right off the draw there, I don't think either coach would be happy with them sitting five minutes. Yeah, that'd be a tough one for sure. And I mean, I bet in their lifetime, we for sure, we're going to see them scrap at least once. But I don't think it's going to happen until we see uh, a game where it really means something to both teams. I mean, both times they've played each other. The game hasn't been too important for the Sens, so I don't think Brady's going to take a penalty like that and get grounded for three or four weeks from his mom after being told not to, so... <laughs> Definitely a smart by Brady holding off on there. But he did get uh, get the best of Matthew on more than just the faceoff dot. How about that first goal, Parley? I think, and Brady's reaction says it all. The Sens are being outshot 3 nothing uh, at this point. And Brady sends a cross-crease pass to declare. It gets broken up by Han- Hannafin and then deflects into the Calgary net. I think Brady is the only guy in the NHL that can score goals like this without, I don't even, does that even count as a shot on net? Like, without even getting the puck on the goalie, he's getting a goal and opening up the scoring against his big brother's team with 40 Kachucks, like you mentioned in the house. Classic Brady, eh? Oh, absolutely. And then the celebration, he's just so excited about it. Yeah. I, mean, I I love that it opens the scoring and what ended up being a, a Senator's win in what was the first upper hand, I guess, the last laugh for Brady Kachuk in the Kachuk-Kachuk series. But that's twice he scored against, sorry, three times he scored against Calgary in his career with his brother in the lineup. So it's fun to see him get going. But, I mean, huge for the Senators because it seems when he gets going that they're a team that can definitely do some damage. That's his 15th on the year too. So we're looking at a guy with, with lots of hockey left here where just kind of over the halfway mark and getting into the, I guess, the dog days of it, getting in closer to game 50 here. There's no no chance in my mind, I don't think, that he doesn't hit 20. So we're looking at a guy in a second year who's already a consistent 20-goal scorer. So sometimes, yeah, you get a little break like that off of a skate and it bounces into the net. But, I mean, he's the type of guy where I, I definitely subscribe to the fact you, you earn the bounces that you get, and he's the guy putting the work in in front of the net to get those sort of bounces. So uh, it's, it's fun to see him score goals like that, kind of a goofy guy, likes being that goofy guy in the spotlight, and then he gets the goofy goal. But, I mean, it got the Senators going. It got him on the board. So, I mean, 15 on the year, still nothing to laugh at. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, like you said, I, I don't see any reason why Brady Kachuk can't get 20 goals every year. And I think especially once you start seeing some better line mates like Lafreniere coming up, uh, as we'll see <laughs> if we'll have the chance to draft him in our uh, ep- episodes edition of Tankathon today. But Matthew Kachuk, he actually had a pretty good game, too. Um, he had six shots on goal, but just couldn't get anything past Hoggy, Marcus Hogberg, who partly... We got to talk about this guy. He is stealing the Ottawa Senators' crease. Mind you, Nielsen is out, but Andy, a savvy vet, he's taking starts away from him. Uh, what did you see from Hogberg? And are, is he the unofficial number one goalie as for now? And like, what I think is important right now to look at is it's hard to say because again, I mean, everything we've said on this show it feels like this year has an asterisk because of the injury situations right so I mean you look at a guy like 
Anders Nielsen, well, he's probably the starter once he comes back into this lineup, and who knows where it'll shake out from there, especially with Craig Anderson being a veteran and what happens at the trade deadline and stuff like that. But this is Marcus Hogberg coming in and stopping 40 of 42 shots against. Like, that's that's a lot of pucks to face, and he's going out there and he's doing it seven saves on the power play against a pretty talented power play. I mean, this is a guy who's getting it done, and he seems to be athletic, but calm and it's definitely starting to look like he's the future of the senator's crease and good on hogberg too uh it kind of reminds me of the decord situation where you know what they weren't exactly ready to be in the position or the at least the organization didn't think they were ready to be in that organization uh for hogberg it's number one goalie in the nhl and for decord it's uh, I wouldn't even call him a backup in Belleville as he's getting a lot of starts uh, with Gustafson too. So they're kind of splitting the crease. But these two guys are forcing this organization's hand and it almost seems inevitable, like you talked about earlier, that Andy's going to get moved at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it sucks because I think we can all say in the show, goalie-friendly show, that Craig Anderson is the best body of work goaltender in Ottawa Senators history and it kind of sucks to see him kind of dwindle away and not have the same uh effectiveness I guess you can say but there's obviously a lot of things to go back on and look at for Craig Anderson and right now Marcus Hogberg is getting it done more so than him but I think a lot of what is going on is Craig Anderson when he was kind of in that tough spot was when the Sens blue line was in a tough spot but you look at the numbers for that game against Calgary And this is pretty, I mean, we've talked about now that there's six NHL bodies on the blue line. And you look at it, and Mike Riley played the least amount of minutes, and he played 1740 in that game. So, I mean, you look at it, and it's six guys putting in 20 minutes. And that's exactly what you need. If you can play like that, and each guy is playing consistently, I mean... Only Boro and Zaitsev were a minus in that game. You outscored a team 5-2, to two, and each guy's playing 20 minutes. I mean, that's the way to play hockey. And another thing that's, I mean, we've heard DJ Smith talk about it in the past that goalies absolutely love is the block shots. And when you're going down to block shots, I mentioned he faced 42 in the game, stopped 40. The Senators blocked 23 shots in that game. So, I mean... It's guys just willing, it's the blue line, willing to get down and block shots. I mean, you look at it, Dylan DeMello, one block, Mike Riley, one block, Zaitsev, two, Boro, five, Hainsey, four. I mean, these guys are just laying down in front of Puck, so you you do what you got to do, and it, right now it seems like a winning formula. I mean, that's tough to say after the skid they had, but if your goalie's stopping pucks like that and there's a defense in front of them that's consistently willing to do the same... I mean, that's going to help any goaltender. Excellent point, Parley. And I mean, you nailed it right on uh, on the head there with the ice time. It's it's crazy to look at this ice time and see how similar all these guys are. And the thing that pops out to me the most is uh, Ross and I talked about it in the last pod too. Thomas Shabbat, finally this guy. And man, uh, we said it last time too. Thomas Shabbat better be having the best vacation like he better be at an all-inclusive resort, sitting by the beach, by the pool, not doing any work because he has been a workhorse for this team. And he only played 21 minutes, 34 seconds. So you love to see that from a guy like Shabbat who needed a break on ice time. And Parley, another guy that's impressed me lately 
is former Maple Leaf Connor Brown. He's only five points off his career high of 36 points that he had in Toronto. And his last three games, he has six points, a goal and an assist uh, in each of those games. And it seemed like uh, during maybe December and November, Connor Brown was getting a lot of offensive chances, but he just couldn't bury anything. And now he's got some confidence and he's putting the puck in the net. Uh, Has anyone else sort of stood out to you lately? Or what have you seen from Connor Brown that you've liked lately? The thing I like about Connor Brown is you mentioned that he's the puck's starting to find the, its way into the net a lot more, but he he's never a guy. I mean, when he's not putting up the numbers that you expect him to, or he was on pace to to start the year, he's he's one of those guys where if you don't notice him, if he's not putting up points, it's kind of a good thing because he's always the guy doing the right things. You look at it, he never really gives the puck up. He gets some takeaways in the neutral zone and stuff like that. He does the little things well. And when a guy plays like that and gets the ice time that he's getting in that game, he played 20 minutes and 12 seconds. So when you're getting the time on ice like that, you know if you're doing the little things well, it's going to start to come around. It's going to be, and sometimes it feels like when the team's down, it's tough for guys to turn anything around, right? And that was a tough skid for the Senators' nine straight losses. And then you look at this game, and the Senators get going in the right direction. Well, who's right there leading the way? Connor Brown, two points. His line mate, Brady Kachuk, two points. I mean, you can you can look at it all the way around and say, yeah, he's not putting up the numbers you expected him to when he came over and he was really good at the start of the year. But he's a guy that if things are going well, he's going to produce. And if things aren't going well, he's still a guy that you, you're all right with putting in your top six right now. The Ottawa Senators, well, they're on their bye week. So guys like we talked about, Shabbat, Connor Brown, Brady Kachuk, They're going to get a break. Uh, Interesting to see, I'm sure, throughout the week. We'll see some uh, interesting Instagram pictures and videos where these guys are spending their time off. Always uh, cool to follow along there. But the Belleville Senators, they are not on a break by any means. And they played a very rare Monday afternoon game against the Rockford Ice Hogs. And interesting to know, this is the first time that Belleville has ever played on the road in Rockford. And er- earlier this year, in December, was the first time that these two teams even played each other. And Parley, this is probably the most lethal offense that we're going to see in Belleville all year with some call downs from Ottawa uh, with uh, them going on their bye week. We're getting some offensive firepower back in the top six for the Belleville Senators. And I would even say that... This is the best we've seen them so far this year, but come late later in the year, we're probably going to see a lineup very similar to this, take a run at the playoffs. And you're right. I mean, look at the top six. Are you kidding me? These are guys that are all consistently putting pucks on the net, and then they're putting the puck in the net as well. You look at Josh Norris, another two points today. Alex Formanton, another guy who jumped into the spotlight when all the big stars went up to Ottawa, another goal today. I mean, Philip Schlappick, an assist. Drake Batherson, an assist. Logan Brown, an assist. These guys are just going to consistently contribute at this level, and they've proved it time and time again where they're going to keep doing it. And look at what happened again today. Oh, yeah. First in the division. I mean, mind you, tied with the Utica Comets, who luckily they lost today 4-2 uh, to the Syracuse Crunch, I believe. So that's nice to keep uh, keep at pace with Utica. But the three players I mentioned that got called down were Drake Batherson, Rudy Balsers, and Philip Schlappick. So you add three more guys like that into your lineup, and 
just this top six is just ridiculous. Looking at the lines here, Formanton, Brown, Balsers, Abramov, Norris, and Batherson. Like, I don't think there's a better top six in the entire American Hockey League. So these guys are getting it done. And speaking of someone who's getting it done, Philip Gustafson, his first ever AHL career shutout. So, Parley, we talked about uh, the goalie situation, guys taking advantage of uh, ice time with an injury Philip Gustafson is one of those guys, and him and Decord, they've been really solid uh, pushing each other to compete in that Belleville crease. And what you look at right now is it's kind of been, it's kind of become the norm that Joey Decord is the number one down there without Marcus Hogberg staying in the crease in Belleville. So again, that situation keeps getting more intriguing as Honors Nielsen maybe gets back into shape and gets back into the crease in the NHL. But yeah, you look at the AHL, and like I said, Joey Decord's kind of your number one. Well, there's absolutely nothing better than giving your number one a break, throwing a guy out there, Philip Gustafson, and he gives you a shutout. There's nothing better that helps fuel a team to just keep going and stay at that consistent pace and keep and keep winning hockey games than a great showing from your backup goaltender, and that's exactly what you need. And you mentioned all those names in the top six and then a great game from Philip Gustafson. I don't think any of those players are older than 23. For a franchise, sometimes you look down at a team where, or the top of the standings in the AHL or the top of the point leaders, I guess, in the AHL, and it's all older guys that are kind of fringe NHLers. This Belleville squad, that could very much be all top nine players in Ottawa come two years, three years down the line. That's so exciting for Senators fans to look at this team right now and say, wow. This is the future of the franchise. Absolutely. And, I mean, if you're a Sens fan looking for some hockey action during the big club's bye week, follow along with this Belleville Senators team. As we, we mentioned, it's weird that they're playing a Monday afternoon game. Well, they're back at it tomorrow against uh, the Milwaukee Admirals, which I'm assuming we're going to see Joey Decord get the start in that back-to-back. But going uh, back to the uh, offensive firepower, that first goal that was scored today by Josh Norris, ho-hum, not a big deal. Um, the power play unit, Drake Batherson, Logan Brown, Rudy Balsters, and then Norris. And I didn't see who the fifth guy was, but I'm going to go ahead and assume it was Eric Brandstrom. Those five guys, like you said, they're going to be in the NHL a couple of years from now and probably going to be the core group for this franchise. So... It's just incredible to be able to see these guys light it up in the AHL. And a guy I didn't mention there, Alex Formanton, showing his speed once again, blasting past the Ice Hog defenders for a breakaway and firing it in. So really, I don't see any reason why the Belleville Senators can't get a win in every game this week with these kind of players performing like they are down here. And you mentioned this is a Milwaukee team. That's a very big game when you look at it because obviously separate divisions with the with Belleville Senators, as we mentioned, tied atop the North Division with the Utica Comets with 54 points. Obviously a game in hand for Belleville, so that's exciting. But you look at this Milwaukee Admiral, Admirals team, I guess it is admirable because they have 62 points in the same amount of games as Belleville and Belleville's only put up 54 points this year. So this Milwaukee Admirals team is definitely the class of the AHL right now. And it's going to be a good test on the road for this Belleville team. So after they play the Milwaukee Admirals on Tuesday, then they head to Utica for a very important game against the Utica Comets on the road. 
And then it's back to Bell Vegas for another game against the Utica Comets. So Belleville, they really have a chance here. They can take a stranglehold on first place in this division. And the way they're playing, even once those uh, guys get called back up to Ottawa, I don't see any chances of them slowing down. And you look at it's consistency in the guys that are contributing. And I know Ross wants to see Josh Norris get a shot at the NHL level this year. And I'm not sure I'm on the same boat as that because the way he's playing, I don't know if you really want to mess up a good thing sort of thing. So, I mean, what he's doing right now with a guy like Alex Formanton, who is another guy I think you can wait on, especially because both of them missed significant time with injury. So it'd be nice to see them play one full season with a team and kind of get their boots underneath them in the next year. Who knows what the Senators lineup is going to look like. So maybe they can make the jump next year. I think you leave these two guys down there and just let them continue to sizzle. I mean, they've got so much going for them right now in this Belleville team. I mean, that's got to be a great room to walk into every day. And why not let them be leaders in that dressing room? Especially if you're going to have guys down there like an Eric Brandstrom. Now that you've got six NHL bodies ready and going, even an Andreas England back down there playing for Belleville consistently. So if you're going to have top end talent guys down there and you want to see them grow, you got to give them pieces to let them grow with, I think is a big thing. And I mean, lots of movement obviously happening with injuries this year. Talk about it time and time again, going up and down from Belleville. But with this break right now, we're going to see, as we mentioned, the best possible lineup for Belleville why not let them grow together I mean you're gonna give these guys time to be the centerpiece that they have been already Josh Norris going on just an absolute tear lately with guys like Batherson and Balsers up but let them play with a guy like Logan Brown on the power play let them continue to grow because then come playoff time I mean that'll be absolutely huge having them down there and continuing to produce yeah partly and speaking of top end talent and continuing to produce I like to think that's what the three of us are doing here on the Locked On Senators podcast. And if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with the Locked On Podcast Network to reach sports fans. But you may not know what Locked On Senators is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Sens fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Sens fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast, the Locked On Senators podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Parley, a team that isn't really achieving much and top-end talent, there's going to be a lot of question marks surrounding it as we head into another edition of Tankathon. The San Jose Sharks, they're heading into their bye week on a different note than the Ottawa Senators did. A three-game losing streak after dropping a 4-1 decision to the Vancouver Canucks. They've been outscored 14-4 in their last three games. 
Farley, how much do you love seeing these sharks slip all the way to the bottom of the standings? I absolutely love it, and I think that I'm absolutely addicted to tankathon.com right now. I go to it every day. I must hit that button so many times. It's actually, I, I love it, because the way the San Jose team is dropping, I mean, how much has happened with the Senators franchise that just makes you question, how is this happening? How is this happening? And finally, last year at the deadline, when... Columbus got the fourth overall pick and it was like, oh, thank you. Because then there was no more question, should they have kept a pick with Brady Kachuk or not? And now you start to see the San Jose thing go when Eric Carlson, potentially the greatest player to ever put on the Ottawa Senators jersey, gets shipped out of town in what was one of the lowest moments as a Senators fan. And now you're starting to see some of the benefits. We just talked about Josh Norris and everybody's gushing about how good he's going to be. Then you look at a guy like Rudy Balsers, who's been just as good, but for longer. And now you start to see this first round pick creeping up and creeping up. I mean, this is absolutely huge for the Senators. And with the prospect depth of the pool that this year's draft has, I mean, it couldn't be any bit any better. Uh, I mean, yeah, this draft lottery button is probably broken on my laptop, but uh, I'm ready to give her another whirl if you are, buddy. Yeah, the the tankathon is just so thrilling, and uh, like you mentioned, now the Sens fans finally get to feel like Colorado fans felt a season ago, watching their uh, uh, draft pick get more and more valuable as this time goes on. So, Parley, let's see what this value is, and uh, like you said, you've got the tankathon button pretty accessible. I'm sure you've got it ready to go. How about you hit the first spin? All right, here we go. Ooh. Tough day to be a Sens fan. New Jersey climbing into number one, so they will have back-to-back first overall picks. Wow. Without Taylor Hall. Without the first overall uh, magic guy. Wow. (laughs) Left a little fairy dust behind in that locker room, I guess. (laughs) But Jack Hughes and Lafreniere would be absolutely ridiculous up the middle for the future for that team. Wow. And then you look at the Senators, their own pick dropping two spots to number six. And if I say that first, that means San Jose's pick is number seven. That would hurt this year if the Senators didn't get one top five pick. Youch. That's tough for sure. Well, let's see if the odds are any better for my spin. Here we go. Oh, Parley again. Nothing good here as the Senators, their own pick comes in at number six. And then the San Jose's pick doesn't come till eighth overall. So that's really unfortunate. Not even one top five. But Parley, if you if this scenario ends up playing out like it does, which the hockey gods will not do this to Sens fans, I don't think so. But is this a situation where you look to trade up and trade into the top five? Or do you just try to, to hit as much value as you can in spots six and eight or uh, any, any spots uh, higher up than number five? I mean, it's tough to say because who knows what the asking price would be. Uh, You look at the available talent at the top of this board, and I don't think any team's going to give up the opportunity to make an impact pick up there because where the skill is coming uh, at the top of this draft is down the middle. And obviously in the NHL, you want to build down the middle. So I... I think Ottawa, I mean, who wouldn't want to trade into a top five pick this year? But right now I'm starting to think who would trade out of a top five pick. You'd have to give up quite a bit. I think the Senators are looking for uh, to build a stockpile 
in their system and in their organization with young players coming up and how much available talent is there. Uh, the Senators have a great scouting staff. You have to give them props where props is due. Uh, I think they will be able to make impact picks, especially in a deep prospect pool like this. Uh, it would be tough to see neither pick get into the top five, but uh, I, I can't see the Senators giving up anything, any quality to move up, say, two picks. Definitely got to give a shout out to the Sens uh, scouting crew. They've been finding steals in the draft for years. I mean, you look at guys like Hoffman, Stone, Ryan, Dezingle, Alfie, if you want to go way back. But now let's, Barley, you're, you're a bit of a scout yourself. Uh, let's hear what you have to say on a guy by the name of Tim Stutzel. Yeah, uh, Tim Stutzel is is very much climbing a lot of boards. Uh, I'm, I keep a lot of uh, I keep deep track of what Craig Button is saying, uh, director of player scouting at TSN. I really like what he has to say, and he does his due diligence. Definitely a voice that uh, gets my ear when he's talking prospects. And he has this kid right up there beside Quinton Byfield, who hasn't moved out of that number two spot. But this Tim Stutzel kid is now locked up there in a dead tie with Quinton Byfield. You talk about Quinton Byfield, I mean, he's six foot five, he's huge. And uh, some have said he's got like Joe Thornton size with Evgeny Malkin's hands. So Quinton Byfield is still getting a lot of praise. Didn't exactly play a starring role over the World Juniors. So, uh, some people might have thought he'd fall off, but I mean, as a 17-year-old on a stacked lineup like Team Canada had, it's tough to get any sort of playing time. So uh, he's still locked in there at number two, but this Tim Stutzel, he's uh, he's definitely jumped up the board. He was at number seven in on Craig Button's list in uh, sub, sorry November. But what you look at this kid, he's six foot one and 187 pounds. So that's a man's body to begin with. I mean, uh, obviously he's going to come into the league and put a few pounds on and stuff like that, but why I mentioned he's got a man's body already is he's playing against men. He's the youngest t- player on um, the Mannheim Eagles this year over in Germany. And he's got 27 points in 28 games played. He's having a great season over there. And what a lot of scouts are saying about him is not only is he an elite skater at this part of his career, I mean, he can start and stop on a dime. He, uh, I saw one scout said he can make players and defensemen that are much older than him will look silly on the ice uh he's got the ability to break ankles and stuff like that so not only has he got quick feet and great puck handling ability but it's his play away from the puck that allows him to jump up into plays and create wide open lanes for himself because he's got that that sense where he can that kind of the brain keeps up with his feet sort of thing and uh i don't think you have to look much further when uh, you're looking at player comparables, Craig Button, again, he said that uh, Quinton Byfield kind of reminds him of, of Guinea Malkin. He said that this guy kind of looks like Patrick Kane. So Tim Stutzel getting uh, some very high praise for a guy that's a lock as a Hall of Famer, was on the team of the decade, and now just very recently got his 1,000th point in his career. So, I mean, how, as a scouting organization like the Senators, do you not kind of drool at a guy like Tim Stutzel, who's absolutely skyrocketing up this draft board. Well, uh, as a guy with a uh, German background like myself, uh, it'd be great to see a Patrick Kane German version in Tim Stutzel uh, play for the 